1: Welcome to Sideline Sanity with Michelle Tafoya, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There's never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Visit legacypminvestments.com. That's legacypminvestments.com. Coming up, Hall of Famer Tony Dungy.
0: For nearly three decades, she's reported the action from the sidelines. She started very young. She's covered the NBA, NFL, Olympics
1: Well, welcome to Sideline Sanity. I am Michelle Tafoya. I moved to Minnesota about, oh gosh, 25 years ago. And I was coming here in part to cover the Minnesota Vikings. And at that time, the defensive coordinator was a gentleman named Tony Dungy. And everyone thought he was next in line to get the Vikings head coaching job. But lo and behold, he wound up in Tampa Bay and then off to Indy with Peyton Manning to win a Super Bowl. And he's now a Hall of Famer. Tony, welcome. I'm so glad you could join me. Hey,
2: Michelle, it is great to be with you, and uh, we do have some great memories. Those were uh, good times for me, for sure, (laughs) coaching with the Vikings.
1: Well, you played at the University of Minnesota while my late father-in-law was a coach there. I mean, it it was so funny when you and I discovered that, uh, because we knew each other before I met my my husband, and then you found out uh, Mark Vandersall.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Mark was on the silent. Mark was like my boys. He was on the sideline from a very young age. We just got to know him as, as coach Vandersall's son. Yeah, And, uh, I I could not believe that, uh, (laughs) you were married to him when we, we figured that out.
1: I know it it was a, a funny coincidence, but, um, I just, I've appreciated our friendship so much over the years and it's stretched all the way till now. You're still with NBC. I have left to pursue this, but, um, one of the things that. I think people know about you, but I want to get a little more in depth on today is your commitment to family. You've got an amazing family and you've had a, a a very solid stance about families in America and in particular fatherhood. Where does that come from coach?
2: Well, I was really blessed and I I didn't realize it growing up. Uh, My dad and my mom, Uh, We're married almost 50 years when when my mom passed away, but we had both of our families right there. Um, My dad had, I think, six siblings in his family, so all his brothers and sisters and their spouses were always around. My mom had four other siblings, and so we had this large extended family, and I kind of got raised by that. Uh, Everyone talks about being raised by a village, but we had a village in ourselves, of two families. Both of my parents were teachers. So on the weekends when we were out of school, they were home. In the summers, they were home. So I grew up thinking that parents were just always around. Mm -hmm. And it didn't really strike me until I I got to college and and got some different friends and and got with people who didn't have that. Uh, It didn't really dawn on me how blessed I was to have my dad and my mom there all the time. Uh, at home supporting me, coming to my events, uh, coming to my games, driving me to practice, all of those things I just took for granted. Well, when I realized how special that was, uh, it just it impacted me. And then later on when I became a coach and started really talking to other young men and seeing that, that not everybody grew up that way and the advantages that I had and uh, the memories that I had doing things with my dad, uh, going to games with him, playing catch in the backyard. Uh, Those are things I look back on now, 60 years later, and they're still fond memories. And I I just want every young person to have those same type of memories.
1: Now we have a lot of athletes. You and I have covered the NFL. You've been in it and now covering it for, for years. And we've seen a number of phenomenal examples of young men who have been raised by, say, a grandmother or grandparents or just a single mom and these women or these single parent households have done a, a tremendous job raising these boys. Uh, and, and I should say girls too, it in, in, certainly not in the NFL as players, yeah. but you know, it, we've seen it. It does exist, but it's, it's rare and you can almost tell when a guy walks in a room for our production meetings for Sunday night football, when I was still there, if he was raised by two parents or not, And I just wonder what differences, what specific differences you saw in your experience between the kids who were raised by two parents and the kids who were not.
2: Well, and and I think the other thing that we see, especially when it comes to NFL players that that you and I are coming in contact with, if they weren't raised with their dad, they had father figures. They had coaches, uh, elementary school, middle school, high school coaches, college coaches. They had men in their lives. Uh, who Who poured into them, and yes these, these some of these moms have done phenomenal jobs, uh, but it 's a two person job it really is, and uh, dads are so important i I just think back to my own upbringing, and the things that I learned from my dad about how to treat a, a woman number one that that 's probably the first thing you see when when you have your father there, how is he treating your mom? and what does that look like and what are you supposed to do and and you get those messages very early on and uh i think that that is one of the things and then it, it's how you also you relate to authority um y- your dad says something and you you know you can take that to the bank and when you grow up with that and with that trust and that knowing that that person in authority loves you and cares for you then you see how you're supposed to do it as a father and and i think that's kind of what we've missed over these last couple of generations. Even Um, I I just think more of our young men, especially are missing that.
1: Some would push back and some have pushed back and said, well, what about the dads who are jerks that live at home who beat their kids or beat their wives? Certainly those are not the examples we would hold out there, but they would say it doesn't matter that there's a two parent household because this father is, you know, a, a complete jerk. To, to that, you would say what?
2: Well, obviously, uh, th- there's a, a right way to do things and a wrong way to do things. And uh, I just look at my playing career. And so I had some great coaches that, that I looked up to and taught me a lot. Sometimes you have a coach that's not great. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up.
0: You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth.
2: Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and
0: call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states.
2: So if I have a bad coach, should I say, well, we really don't need coaches. (laughs) I I can do it myself because I had a bad coach. So I'd I'd rather just go out there and, you know, be on, be on my own. No, you you want the the great coach. You want the coach that's going to pour into you. You want the great father. Not everybody has that. And and certainly, um, negative influences aren't aren't what we're looking for, but the ideal, the goal is to have that, that stable family to pour in uh, from both sides and, and, have that uh, that child you know see what uh, a great father and a great mother is all about it doesn't always happen there's a lot of reasons for it but uh that's the ideal and that's the goal and I think that's what we should shoot for
1: you've spent a a, a good amount of time talking to men who are incarcerated and you took a personal interest in fact in in Michael Vick who had a very rough time in the NFL, was arrested, was put into prison for the the abuse of these animals and the stuff that was going on there. But you took a personal interest. Let's talk about him first. How were you able to, do you think, influence him? And what did you learn about his situation in particular and and how you could actually help influence it?
2: Well, Michael Vick, it was just uh, kind of the Lord worked this situation out. His attorney Uh, was from a very small town outside of Pittsburgh, happened to be my wife's hometown. So uh, my wife and her brothers grew up with Billy Martin. And when Michael was uh, coming out, Mr. Martin called me and said, I'd love for you to just talk to him and help him kind of through this process. Uh, He wants to reenter the NFL, but more importantly, reenter life. And so I went out to Leavenworth Prison. And sat with Michael Vick about two months before he was to be released, and we had met each other, known each other before, but we had a long time to talk there and talk about his journey and what happened. And uh, he told me something very interesting. He, you know, he was raised by by his mom and his grandmother. He said they taught him definitely the right way, taught him about the Lord. He he had this uh, knowledge of God. He had uh, an idea of how he wanted to do things. But as he got more popular and as he got more successful, um, those things kind of left his thought process. And he got caught up in being the highest paid player in the NFL of of doing things uh, his own way. And uh, when he was coming back out, he he told me he wanted to show people he really was a good person. He wasn't a bad person inside. He had made some mistakes but he'd he'd like to turn that around and more than anything, be a role model for for younger people and to be that dad for his kids uh, that that he felt like they needed. So we talked about that more than really playing football. And I I was very sure that he would be able to do that, to come back, to uh, do some things uh, in, in society, to do some things with young people, I wasn't sure he was going to be able to have a great career, missing that much time right right out of his prime. But he was determined, and uh, I, I'm thrilled to say that he did both. He came back and he played well. He got back on the football field for the Philadelphia Eagles, but he did some things in life in in the uh, Philadelphia area and in, in his uh, Tidewater, Virginia area that uh, to to this day are resonating with young people. So I'm I'm really proud of Michael and the fact that he did want to turn things around and and not uh, be a victim of the mistakes that he made.
1: We're talking with the great Tony Dungy, the pro football hall of fame coach. And when we come back from this quick break, I'm reading this from Pew research. The United States has the world's highest rate of children living in single parent households. You know, we ask ourselves what are some of the issues in America that are driving crime and driving some of this aberrant behavior that we're seeing Uh, in particular from young men. We'll get into this with Tony Dungy right after this. (music) Hooray, summer grilling is finally upon us. And if you're looking for the perfect cuts of meat to put on the grill this year, Look no further. I've got your answer. It's Good Ranchers, the place to get American beef, chicken, and seafood this summer. They sell 100% American meat and ship it straight to your door. And right now, they're giving away two free 18-ounce prime center-cut ribeyes to every person that uses my code Tafoya, T-A-F-O-Y-A. Yes, that's over two pounds of prime ribeye steaks. Just add it to your order at no cost to you. You're welcome. With Father's Day coming up and all the summer events and holidays on the horizon, this is the perfect time to try a box of good ranchers. Your father, your grandfather, your father-in-law, your husband, your partner, your brother, everybody needs these ribeyes. You can make a one-time purchase or subscribe and save 25 bucks on every box. Plus, like I said earlier, you'll get two free 18-ounce boneless ribeyes. I mean, these things are so good. They are steakhouse quality. Other places would charge you well over 50 even $60 a steak to get ribeyes like these. But Good Ranchers is giving them to you for free when you go to GoodRanchers.com slash Tafoya. They're out of their ranching minds. This is not the time to wait. Claim your free ribeyes today before they run out, because yes, this is a limited stock item. First come, first serve. And you want to be first when it comes to Good Ranchers. They deliver the best of American farms and ranches to your door. Make sure you take time today, right now. Go to GoodRanchers.com slash Tafoya, T-A-F-O-Y-A, or use my code Tafoya, T-A-F-O-Y-A, at checkout to get your two free 18-ounce ribeyes Start the summer off right with good ranchers, American meat delivered. Coach, before we go on, you know, I was sort of influenced by John Madden when I was working at Monday Night Football with him. And he told me, once a coach, always a coach. (laughs) So you should always address a former coach as coach. Do you like being called coach or do you prefer Tony?
2: I don't mind either one. I was called coach for so long. It really resonates with me. We have young kids who are adopted now that are, you know, eight, nine, ten years old. And they just say that all the time. Dad, why do people call you coach? They they (laughs) don't know me as a coach. And they're just like, where did that come from? So uh, I'm fine either way.
1: Well, take them to Canton and tell them why
2: people (laughs) call you coach. I guess I could show them there. There
1: you go. I just can't help it. Every time I talk to a coach, I hear Madden like sitting on my show, call him coach, call him coach. So I will do that. Um, Again, let me refer back to this from Pew Research. The U.S. has the world's highest rate of children living in single parent households. For decades, the share of U.S. children living in single parent households. Households has been rising accompanied by a decline in marriage rates and a rise in births outside of marriage. That's according to a new Pew Research Center study of 130 countries and territories that shows the United States has the world's uh, largest or highest rate of children living in single parent households. Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned earlier, you spent a lot of time talking with young men, men who are incarcerated. And you've stood by this uh, assessment that you've heard from others, that one of the seemingly co- most important connective tissues among all these people is that they didn't have a dad in their house. Again, people will push back and say, that's not the only reason, or that's not the cause. Maybe it's not the cause, but it's certainly, we can't ignore this, right? It's This is no coincidence. Yeah, it's, it's not
2: the only reason, but it, it certainly is a major contributing factor. And I, I really think it's a spiritual thing, Michelle. Um, I think Satan is attacking our society in, in that way. If I can separate families, if I can take it away from God's plan, and God's plan was mother, father, raise children, pass things on to them as a unit. And we do. We need it from both Male and female perspective, so it's great that there's a mother's love that nothing can duplicate and if you grow up without a mom, you miss that part of it. but there's the dad' side too there's the male side that is has got to be there and be caring and instructive and If you miss that, uh you miss something, and so we we need to have it together now it doesn't always happen; you can have a death in the family, and uh you know things happen we we have divorce we understand that. But if we go into it saying, well, we really don't need that model, Uh, we can be fine with a single parent. I I think statistics prove that we're not fine.
1: Now, there would be some pushback. I I can think of one of my dear friends who happens to be gay and she and her partner, they're married, are raising a son. They adopted a son together. They think they're doing the right thing. I I just want to go here. It is a sensitive issue, but I know you're willing to talk about it. and You have been. If you've got two women raising children, how does that fit into your your view?
2: I, I just think God designed the family so children would see what it's supposed to be like. And there's a male side of it. There's a female side of it. And yes, we're going to have situations where one is missing, the other is missing. We're going to have situations where uh, a child doesn't get to see all that. And yes, so you have surrogates that that come in place, whether it's a coach, a step-parent, a concerned other person. And that's great. We need that from everybody. And it, it certainly beats the alternative. But God's design, we have to understand, was a father, a mother, and a child. that That's the family nucleus. And that's the way it functions best.
1: I, I want to also read this from the Justice Department website. The Journal of Research in Crime Delinquency reports that the most reliable indicator of violent crime in a community is the proportion of fatherless families. Why do you think we're here? What, what, why? Why is this going on? Why is this so prevalent in the United States of America?
2: Well, again, I think it comes back to a spiritual basis. number one we've we've kind of lost the godly definition of marriage that that you uh, there, there's a way God designed it that men and women find each other, they make a commitment, they get married, they have children in that order. And we've now said, well, marriage isn't that important. you can have children. Uh, without being married. And that's not a problem. And we've seen that for 40 years, the proliferation of that. And we think that it's not a problem. The commitment to stay together has not been there. Uh, Jesus said in the Bible that uh, what God put together in marriage, let no one separate. So marriage is supposed to be for life. Uh, d- does it happen? No, we've got a very high divorce rate in mm-hmm. the United States. And all of this is I think Satan's way of just chipping away at the fiber of our our country and what what we're based on. So when you have people not getting married and having children, you have divorces, you have other things that happen. uh, And then you've got families, all of a sudden we see those stats that you point out. So many people being raised in a non-traditional family. And it's it's easy to say, well, that doesn't matter as long as love's there, that's all that's important. Uh, Love is important, absolutely, and taking care and and having that desire. And uh, again, we've seen some tremendous examples of people being raised in single-parent homes, people being raised in in adoptive homes. But the design, God's design, is is the way it's supposed to be, and it's hard to beat that.
1: You are referencing a a spiritual framework quite a bit, a faith-based framework, which I know is very important to you. And I think there was a time... In the last 10, 20 years of my life, I'll just get a little personal here where I sort of thought, you know, yeah, going to church, yada, yada, yada. But as I get a little older and I watch my children and I see more of the world and I see this breakdown in something that was really part of the fabric of life here in America, no matter what your religion was or is people had a belief and it formed a community around them through church, through different parishes, whatever the case may be. And we've seen a, a a pretty significant erosion in that faith-based spiritual framework here in America as well. How much do you think that is contributing to this sort of laissez-faire, you know, Don't need to get married. We can just live together or whatever the case may be. I, I, I want to say, I want to go on the record saying coach first that I don't, I don't want to judge anybody. I I think every, most people are really trying to do the right thing and trying to do their best, but a lot of the poo-pooing of traditional values has led to sort of this, I don't know, um, looser formed society that has fewer ports in which to tether, if you will, that, you know, fewer places for people to say that's someplace I belong. That's someplace I can find a soft landing. That's someplace I can find guidance and safety.
2: No, I I agree. Uh, There was a time and and for me growing up, uh, gosh, the, the people I grew up around they did have a belief in the Bible. And yes, everybody's trying to do the right thing and try to do the best. But where is your foundation? What do you believe is right? What do you believe is true? And I think we've gotten to the point in the last 30 or 40 years where well, I can figure out my own truth, whatever I, I feel that makes me happy. That's what we've got to do. And um, it, it's, it's leading to problems. It really is. And we, we're, we've we got a big discussion now going on, gun, gun control, yeah. what, what do we need to do? Well, yes, I'm not a gun person, and I, I'd be fine if we took every gun in the world and got rid of it, but I will say this, where we are as a society, we could take every gun in the United States, and it's not going to stop people from harming each other. Mm-hmm. Right now, we have that mentality, it's okay for me to harm you if I feel like I'm right, mm-hmm. and. So whether I have a gun, whether I have a knife, whether I get a bomb and blow you up, whether I run you down with my automobile, road rage, uh, th- there's, we, we just are losing the sense of right and wrong. I get that from the Bible. Uh, other people are going to say, well, I don't read the Bible. I don't believe the Bible. But where is your sense of right and wrong? Right. Okay? If it's wrong to shoot someone, it's just as wrong to run them down with a, a, a car. It's just as wrong to punch them in the mouth. Uh, and and beat them up and leave them for dead on the on the side of the street. So, to me, we've got to get back to in America what is right and what is wrong.
1: We need some heroes to be uh, demonstrators on the on the national stage. Le- show true leadership. We'll get to that. I want to talk a little bit more with Coach Dungey about ways we can get there. This problem feels massive to me. <laughs> And it's going to be like eating an elephant, but I think we can do it. I hope we can. We'll ask Coach Dungy Howe right after this. You know, folks, since November of last year, the stock market has plummeted, but gold, gold has been on the rise. Now, gas prices continue to be insane. The stock market's extremely volatile. Inflation is even worse than it was a year ago. And now we have this war with Russia and Ukraine that we hope does not spread any further to the rest of the world. The markets don't like instability, but the good news is you have options. Gold prices are rising as investors turn to gold for protection. Gold provides a hedge against inflation and protects against a weakening dollar. Legacy precious metals is the only company I trust for investing in gold and silver. Call legacy precious metals today. be proactive while you've still got time because remember two thousand and eight those who invested in gold saw huge gains while others lost their retirements. Legacy Precious Metals can advise you on all your options for investing in gold and silver. You can speak to an IRA expert at Legacy Precious Metals at 866-528-1903. Write this down, 866-528-1903. Or download their free investor's guide at LegacyPMInvestments.com. LegacyPMInvestments.com. All right, Coach, so... You have an organization called All Pro Dad. What is the goal? How do you get there?
2: Our our goal with All Pro Dad, actually, I'll tell you how it started, Michelle. I was coaching with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Three or four of my assistant coaches, we talked about, gosh, we're not spending enough time with our kids the way our dads did. We all talked about our dads and the impact they had on us. How can we do this better? We went to a gentleman named Mark Merrill. We went for some suggestions. He gave us some suggestions, ways we could utilize our time a little bit better with our kids and and our wives. And then he said, you know, this isn't a problem just for people in the NFL or just for coaches. There's a lot of men who want to be better, uh, don't really know how or feel like they don't have the time. Could you guys help us get the word out? So that's how we started All Pro Dad in in 1997, about 25 years ago. And our goal was to just, number one, show men how important their role is in leading the family. That it's not just, hey, I I bring home a paycheck and I provide and mom does all the nurturing and then we're going to be okay. No, you've got an emotional role. You've got a a nurturing role too. And then number two, help encourage those guys who want to do better and give them some tools to do it. So it's it's been fun to see it grow from one little, you know, five people at the uh, University of, of Tampa football complex to now 48 states.
1: It's really cool. And you can have an impact. And, and when something like that grows, obviously your name, others involved. I was on the website last night, Mike Tomlin, others involved. It, it really helps with that. The little steps, If I'm a dad and I don't have time because I'm working two jobs and I'm just trying to make enough money to fill the gas tank, let alone pay my family's bills. What are some of the little things? Where can a guy start if he's really feeling stressed or feeling like I know for some dads, they feel like it doesn't matter anyway. My kids don't listen to me. So what are a few of the steps that can give guys confidence to to feel like they're being the dad they want to be?
2: Well, the number one thing, and we learned it from coaches, is scheduling. You've got to schedule time to be with your children and do things that are important to them. And if it's five minutes, schedule it, you know, uh, but make sure you, you do it. I learned a great lesson from my son, Eric, who's 30 years old now. Uh, I was getting an award uh, from an organization in San Antonio, a Father of the Year Award. And I said, hey, I want to go tell a good story. But what's the most fun thing that we've ever done together? Now, this kid had been on the sideline at Super Bowls. He's held my court. He's been on TV. We've gone to all different places, gone to Hawaii for the Pro Bowl. I'm thinking he's going to tell me something like that. He said, well, you know, when we played uh, a baseball game, we had to use a roll of tape because we didn't have a ball. He was a broomstick and a roll of tape, and I beat you 22 to 3, and we spent all (laughs) afternoon playing. That's the most fun I've ever had with you. Oh, my god! And I thought – that really tells me something. It's not the fantastic things. It's not buying them a new bicycle. It's not. It's this, hey, you spent an afternoon with me, and that was fun. And so that's what we've got to tell dads. It's that time. It's that time in showing them that you care. That's what they're going to remember.
1: At John Madden's funeral, which I was honored to attend, his son told a similar story. Of all the things that he did with the great John Madden, he recalled a baseball game in which he hit a home run And his dad grabbed him. Coach Madden grabbed him afterward and said, you think you're pretty good, don't you? And they got a bunch of baseballs at home, stopped at the garage. He went in, grabbed a bunch of baseballs. They went down to a baseball, Little League field. And Madden pitched to his son for hours and said, keep hitting him. Keep You don't just stop practicing because you hit a home run. And that's the story (laughs) that he told at Madden's funeral. And I was so touched by that. Um, I know that my daughter loves when my husband takes her to school in the morning. I know that that
2: yeah.
1: eight minutes in the car is valuable to her and to him. So you're right. It's it's scheduling. It's There are so many tools. You can find them at All Pro Dad. Um, you recently stood up with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. You make your home in Florida. And stood by as he signed a piece of legislation that was to support fathers and fatherhood in Florida. And all oh, the pushback you got—you would have thought that you were, you know, ready to push a nuclear bomb button. I mean, it was insane to me, Coach, that in support of fatherhood, and I think it was association with with a governor who, for some, is very unpopular across the nation because he, you may disagree with him on some of his politics. But there you were, and this backlash came. And again, it came in the form of, well, what about the dads who are incarcerated? And what about this? And what about that? How did you react to that initial onslaught of, I don't know what to call it. It felt like yeah. it just, it was just almost on the verge of hatred.
2: Well, first of all, Michelle, I, I knew it was coming. And uh it, it's the sad thing about our country right now. We have politicized everything. So, that uh, you know, since I've been the coach of the Buccaneers, since I became a head coach, I've had the privilege of taking photographs with six presidents, okay? And I've taken photographs proudly with all of them. I've been invited to the White House. Um, if there's a Republican president and I take a picture with him, I'm gonna get criticism from people who favor the Democratic side. Three years later, there's a Democratic president and I take a picture with him. I'm going to get criticism from the other side, so it's just a shame. I remember uh I did a, a program with Colin Powell, and I was begging him to run for president, mm. and he said he couldn't, and he wouldn't. He said because right now, if I have a good idea and I say it and people think it's a good idea they'll they'll believe it. But if I run for president and I say the same thing, fifty percent of people have to disagree with it uh right off the bat without even listening because I'm on a particular party running for president. And I thought it was strange at the time and sad, but that, that's the way we are. So that's what kind of happened with this. It was a bill that was not uh, done by the, the governor. He signed it because he had to sign it. But this was uh, promoted by the legislature of Florida, giving $70 million to family organizations in the state of Florida. And I was there to say thank you and uh, to represent all pro-dead. Uh, because it happened to be a Republican governor. There were people who thought I shouldn't be there. Um, but you can't worry about that. And that's, that. if we're going to get this solved, we have to get the politics out of it. Uh, we have to do what's best for our kids and our families. And everybody will have an idea of what that is. But somehow we've got to come together as a country, work together and say, you know, what? our kids are too important to be used as political pawns.
1: I think there's no question. And something that you said, just almost a throwaway line in there, but I want to point it out. You said, you knew it was coming, but you can't, I, you said, I can't worry about that. And here's the thing about it is I feel as though we all are so worried about what the other side is going to think and say and how they're going to react. And this threat of being canceled and bullied, and we can't worry about that. We've got to stand on our beliefs and we've got to stand firm in our foundations about what we believe Because the more you apologize, the more you back down, the more you give in to that other side and, and they just take it and run with it. But if you really believe in, in that foundation you're standing upon, you can't apologize for it, right?
2: No, that's correct. And, uh, that's how I kind of responded, uh, on Twitter, um, I went back to a speech that President Obama made and where he quoted the same statistics, said the same thing. And I said, we had a Democratic president then. The problem was this. Years later, here we are with a Republican governor. The problem is still the same. We've got to attack the problem and forget the politics. And so I'm supporting families, no matter whether the Democrats or the Republicans are in charge. And that's what we've got to do.
1: How do you maintain that? backbone that spine when people can say some really hurtful things. I go through it too and I have my own way, but I'm curious to as to how you find that strength.
2: Well there's a verse in the Bible where Jesus was talking to his disciples and he said, Blessed are you when people come at you for all kinds of things when you stand for me. So uh I just look at it that way. I've got to make sure I'm standing for the Lord. And if I do that in good conscience, know that people are going to attack you and you can't worry about it. And it doesn't feel good. Nobody likes to be attacked. Everybody likes to be said, hey, you're a great guy. You're a great lady. Uh, but in th- this world, that's not going to happen. So you have to really understand what you're fighting for. You have to have, have it in your mind. This is what I'm going to support. And yeah, I'm going to take some arrows and I'm going to take some hits. But uh, in the long run, I've got to stand up for what I believe in.
1: And that is the definition of leadership, being willing to stand in the arena and take it. Okay, I can't let you go without asking you this very important question. How surprised were you that Tom Brady came back?
2: <laughs> Zero surprise. I was Zero? With, yeah. Oh, I, he's play, He's always said he wanted to play until he was 45. He's playing at a super high level. He's got a Super Bowl-ready team. And he's just going to say, I'm going to retire? I didn't think so at all. I thought he would be back, and I wasn't surprised at all.
1: I just didn't think he would say it in the first place if he didn't mean it.
2: (laughs) No, in my mind, here's what happened, Michelle. I think what he needed was about eight weeks to be with his family, things we're talking about. But rather than say that and say, you know, I don't want to look like I'm a guy who's not doing everything I can and my teammates are working and I'm not, it's easier to say, well, I'm really retired. I'll get my eight weeks, do my family things, and then I can come back and say, hey, I changed my mind. I'm back. Uh, I, I really think that's what happened. I think he had no, no intention of staying retired.
1: My goodness. And having said that now, with him coming back, who, which, and you live down there, and I know, you know your affinity for, for Tampa Bay and all, but is there another team, let's take them out of it, that you were really excited to see this year because maybe they're going to surprise us a little bit?
2: Um, you know, I look at the, the Buffalo Bills. They've been close. I had a they feeling added some you were going to say that. Yeah, and I, I think on the AFC side, they could make some noise. Uh, in the NFC, it's going to be really, really interesting. Some teams have, have made some moves and taken some steps. Tampa's right there. Philadelphia has improved. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing my Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I've talked to Coach O'Connell a couple of times, and I think he is – uh, really bringing something there and uh, going to kind of revitalize the offense there. So I, I look at the Vikings and see if they can take a step forward. Um, the AFC West is just unbelievably tough now. So it's, it's going to be a fun year.
1: Loaded the AFC West. And you couldn't always say that, but the, the these last few years with the chiefs and uh, it's, it's so interesting and I'm, I'm curious to see where Denver goes. Well, Uh, All a good, uh, upbeat way to to end this, but I am so hopeful that All Pro Dad and organizations like yours just help people to be at their best for whatever their reason is for living and just to, and hopefully, um, you know, raising these babies the way that they deserve to be raised. Coach Dungey, it is always a pleasure. Um, I I miss you, but I'm glad we got to connect here, and I wish you and your family the very best.
2: Well, thank you, Michelle. Always great being with you, and uh, look forward to doing it again sometime.
1: I hope we will. Thanks for listening, folks. This has been Sideline Sanity. I'm Michelle Tafoya.